Good morning. Welcome to Milestone Church. So glad that you are here. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. And uh, if I have not had an opportunity to meet you, if this is your first time, I look forward to meeting you uh, after service. Thank you again for joining us. We're always honored uh, when you are with us. And we're always honored when we have our first time guests. a big deal for us, just as Alex said. And so thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're wrapping up a little mini two-part series uh, called God is Love. We've been looking at the book of 1 John, specifically in chapter 4, and we've looked at a couple other uh, places in the book of 1 John. But we, we talked about last week this thought. We had this understanding that John kind of unpacks for us that God's greatest attribute is really our greatest need, and that's his love. That, that God's love is not just something that he does, it's actually who he is. You can't separate the two. And we've been looking at this idea that if we're really going to grow in our relationship with God, we actually have to know who he is. And, you know, I said it a little bit last week, but I'm so proud of you, Milestone McKinney, uh, over the summer, just the steps you've been taking to grow and the intentionality that you've been taking in. And our heart for you is that, that we meet you in every season of life, no matter what phase you're in, no matter how old you are, that we continue to provide opportunities and steps for you to grow. It's why we do things like 101 and our 201. We have 301 coming up in October. We had a great uh, Next Steps 101 class last week. And, uh, you know, even with Pastor Jeff coming, I'm just telling you, lots going on. You're trying to get into the rhythm of, of school, if, if you got kids going back to school, and you're trying to figure out what way's up, what way's down, if you're going into school, if you're a student, all of this stuff is going on, so it's busy, I get it, but I'm just telling you, mark your calendars August 22nd for, for Vision Night, out here with Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jeff will be here, it'll be an amazing time, and listen, why do we tell you all these things? You're like, man, Pastor Chris, I feel like you just give me a long list of things. Look, we've got all sorts of stuff for you this fall. But it's not so we busy your calendar. You've already got enough stuff to do. It's because we want to create opportunities for you to get into an environment to experience God's presence and his love. Because when you do, it transforms you. When you do, you experience something that otherwise you would not. And God desires to make himself known to you. He desires for you to experience his love. And that's what John has been talking about. I want you to open up your Bibles, 1 John Chapter 4, verse 11, we're going to get there in just a minute. But I've been talking about uh, John and just this individual John. John was one of the disciples of Jesus. He was a good friend of Jesus. Uh, John, what I love about John is John is human. He's, he's like a real person. Sometimes we can read the Bible and you read these scriptures and you read this text. And you're like, does it really translate? Like this guy must be like, he, I mean, he walked with Jesus. So he was probably like, you know, pretty good dude. Pretty perfect, solid guy, whatever it is. But like, can I tell you something? He was human. In fact, here's how I know he was human. He was a little petty. You know anyone that's petty? Okay? If, if someone next to you elbows you, okay, that's you, okay? It's kind of like when someone says, do you have a crazy uncle? And you're like, no, I don't know. Then you're probably the crazy uncle. Okay, just, just side note, just, for it, just to help you out there, okay? But he was petty. He did little things. And I shared some of them with you last week that are recorded in the Gospel of John that aren't in any other book in the Gospels. Like, for example, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loves. Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't refer to John that way. They just said, he's John. But John's like, 
I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. I mean, he thought a lot of himself. He's like, I'm just going to put that in there so for all time everyone knows I am the one. Not only that, in that same chapter, in John chapter 20, little note there, Jesus Okay, it's Easter morning. He rises from the dead, all right, and the disciples get word. John captures the story there. It says that John and Peter ran to the tomb. Okay, good to know. Only the book of John specifies that John actually beat Peter to the tomb. So he's like, hey, Peter, I just want you to know, for all time, I'm faster than you, okay? I just want everyone to know. Let's make it clear. So just so you know, if there's times you find yourself, man, sometimes, okay, I can be a little petty, you know. Okay, John was human too. He, he was a self-proclaimed, you know, authority on love. He wrote about love. It was a significant topic. It's what marked his life, his legacy in the Gospels. In fact, he records, it's recorded that in the Gospel, he uses the word love 39 times. The other Gospels only use it 18 in these letters that he writes, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he uses the word love 23 times. He's trying to get a point across, and we talked about that last week, that God is love. We can't define what love is. We can't redefine what love is, okay? When you try and define what love is, you're not just simply trying to redefine an attribute. If not careful, really what you're trying to do is redefine who God is. We don't like when people try and define who we are. Yet, there's times where if we're not careful, we'll try and redefine who he is. No, God is love. But here's what happens. The challenge is this. As you experience these things and you see these things, you read the words of John. John really, I love in this letter, this first letter, he's really cutting to the chase. And, and many of you know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Not everyone knows, and maybe you, maybe you know it, you recognize it, but didn't realize 1 John 3.16, which is equally as important and equally as impactful. I shared it with you last week. I'm going to put it on the screen. We'll read it together. If you look and see John 3, 1 John 3.16, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. John lays it out. I mean, he comes right, he cuts right to the chase. He says, here's what love is. You love people the way Jesus loved you. You love people the way Jesus loves. And I love what he did. He goes right here. Brothers and sisters, he goes right to the people closest to you. Those closest to you are the ones that should experience that level of love. But the harsh reality and the challenge is this. There's a saying that says you hurt the ones you love the most. Why? Because unfortunately, oftentimes those closest to you aren't the ones that experience that kind of love. Because we just throw words out there and we just communicate and we react rather than respond. But we have an answer here. He says, here, I want, here's what love is. Love is defined by if you're going to love, then you're going to love the way Jesus loved. So good news. Someone can call foreigner and let them know we found the answer, okay? Some of you will get that. The wiser generation slowly will get that, okay? My dad liked listening to foreigner. Okay, I want to know what love is. Okay, I'll stop, I'll stop. Whoa, you didn't know. Come on, I'm telling you. Tell you, I'm practicing all morning. That's the worship team. But you think about it. Foreigner, boys to men, Adele, everyone wants to know what is love. They're trying to figure it out. We write songs about it. Why? Because at the root of it all, that's what we want. 
We want to know, what is love and are we loved? Are we experiencing that? We all want to know, whether you walk in these doors, when you walk into your office, when you walk into your home, when you walk into your friend group, am I seen, am I known, am I loved? That's what we want to know. Does anyone see me? Do they re- I want you to know God sees, God knows, and God loves. But it doesn't just stop there. And that's what John is talking about. Because, see, in culture and in society, culture does a good job of helping you identify what the problem is. But they don't always do a good job of helping you with the solution. That's why we go to God's word to discover the solution. Here's what love is. We all want to know what it is. We all want to experience it. And John is cutting right to the chase that you love others the way Jesus loved you. You see, society will tell you, you know, love yourself. Love yourself. Now listen, self-care is good. I'm not minimizing mental health and the challenges that come along with that. So you need to have good self-thought. But it's not just about good self-thought. It's self-thought that's rooted in God's truth and his word. You see, the truth is I really can't love myself. Why? Because as John laid out last week at the first part of this chapter, God is love. I'm not the source. I don't have enough in me to love myself. In fact, the way I love myself is by receiving God's love, but it doesn't stop with me. And that's what John is talking about here in 1 John chapter 4 as we look at verse 11. We're going to look at this section of scripture here. But it's understanding that it's not just simply going, I can't willpower my way into thinking right, loving myself right. No, no, no. It's about receiving God's love. God loves you. We talked about that last week. Some of you heard the message last week. Some of you didn't. But God, let, I, again, I'm just going to reiterate it. He sees, he knows, and he loves. Someone, someone has walked in these doors wondering that. As you were standing in here, and Katie and the team are worshiping, and all the earth declares his name. And with that last song, and, it's, and you're going... Does God even see? Does he know? Does he care? I'm telling you he does. And he loves you. And the best way to love yourself is to receive God's love. So John's writing here, and John has seen a lot. Okay, John, it's recorded in the Gospels and it's recorded in the Word that John actually lived longer than any of the other disciples. He's experienced a lot of things. And he's coming here in this chapter, in chapter 4, in this first letter that he writes, and he's giving us a little perspective, some advice on how we need to handle the next phase and the next step of what it looks like to embrace and understand God's love. And here's what it says, beginning in verse 11. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So there it is. He says, listen, since God loved you, the appropriate response is, guess what? Love others. Love others. You've experienced that love. You have the opportunity to experience that love. So as you receive it, as you gain, as you experience that love, love others. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. Now, this is powerful. I want you to get this because I don't know. Like, let's just wrap our brain around this for a minute. No one has seen God. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. You see, people see God when his love works through everyday, ordinary people, you and me. So no one has ever seen God. Think about that. No one has ever seen God, but yet they experience and see God when he works through you, when you love other people. 
You see, if you're just receiving love from God, that's not very mature. That's a good start. But the reality is when you receive that love and then it flows through you and other people experience that love. That word complete in the Greek, it's the Greek word teleo, which means to make perfect, to accomplish, to reach the goal. To, to, to do what it was set out to do. It is the finished work. You see, some of your translations, you read that word and it says perfected or perfect. And so we read or think of the word perfect and we think like without blemish and like that's unattainable. No, no, it actually means completed. It actually means finished. So he's saying, listen, his love is made complete through you. You see, there's this idea that the love of God is not finished when it stops with you, but when it goes through you to impact other people. That's what John is saying here. Verse 13. See, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be savior of the world. Now, this is encouraging to me because I don't know about you, but we need his spirit. I need, he's saying, you need the Spirit of God, to love other people the way Jesus loved. I mean, we've all been at the place where, how many of you have ever been to the place where it's like you've just kind of had enough? Okay? You know what I'm talking about? Listen, you've experienced this whether you realize it or not, and you, you've operated in it. Let's say if you even this summer, let's say you decided to take a trip, an extended long drive in a small vehicle with three to six other human beings in them, ranging in ages, all with different feelings and emotions and, uh, and, and, and hunger patterns, right? And you're traveling down the road anywhere from 50 to 80 miles an hour. Sounds like a good idea to me. Why not? While other vehicles with probably the same context are passing by. And all of a sudden, these little humans in there, ranging in age, they start kind of getting at one another. They're poking and they're arguing and they're complaining and they're grabbing things from each other. And you do what most normal, God-fearing, Jesus-loving people do, much like myself. Y'all quit it! Y'all need to love each other more! Stop acting that way! And then you stop a minute and think, I think I just yelled at them to start loving each other more. I think there's a little bit of, that doesn't work, does it? You see... We all get to the place where if not led by the Spirit, we will react out of our own feelings, our will, our emotions. But it's the Spirit of God that helps us. It's Jesus. What John is saying is you can't separate the love of God and Jesus. You need them both. And then he says this in verse 15. You see, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Verse 16, and so and so we know and rely. I want you to think about that. So we know and rely on the love God has for us. Here it is again. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So, so how do you tell someone about Jesus and, and, and how do you share with them how he is their savior? Well, he says right there, you have to know and rely. I have to know, I have to experience, I have a relationship with Jesus. And because of that, I then in turn rely. So there's this gratitude and then there's this dependency upon Jesus and his love. Let me, let me help you just a little bit. I'm going to give you a little diagram. Some of you, you're really into these type of things. I know it does help me because I'm a visual learner. 
If you know anything about a Venn diagram, it's simply where three circles come and you look at where they overlap. Because what John is doing here is he's tying three things together to help us understand what God's love is and what it looks like. One, when we receive it, and two, when we give it. And so here's what it looks like. And the the truth is all of these are tied together. You can't separate them. So first is this. God is love. He is the source. He's where it originates. That's where it all begins. But he doesn't stop there. He, he begins to put action to it, and God shows us his love through Jesus, through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But then there's this third part that he just talked about here. Now, all of this, this is basically what verses 11 through 16 is in picture form. He then, we realize that we give that love to others. So there's this cycle right here that the completion, it's made perfect. It's made complete. This is how God's love is made complete. It starts with God, it goes and comes through Jesus. We experience it through Jesus. And then we have a part that we play where we get to play a part, and now we begin to show that love and give that love to others. We can't separate them. You see, and that's where the challenge comes in. The challenge comes in because right there in the middle where all three of these overlap, that's where the completion of love is made. That's where we understand what it looks like to be made complete, to see God's love made complete. But we misunderstand God's love. We think, well, you know, okay, God, okay, God, God is love, but love is abstract. And love is whatever you want it to be. And, and I love you, and you love me, and, and we love them, and, and they love us. And it's just kind of, you know, okay, well, well, some of that is all true. But where you have to hold that intention is that, If you just simply park on just one of these and you don't allow all three to be tied together, you miss out on the fact that, one, he's the source. Two, he sent a son to die on the cross. And because you embraced that, it brought about a transformation in your life because you experienced that love. And then in turn, it doesn't stop with you. You then in turn become a conduit for it to come through you. And it is there that God's love is made complete. Here's how I'd summarize it. Here's what what I want you to to grasp is this, that God's love is made complete in us when we receive it and when we give it to others. You see, when we choose to love, we never get less. We we get to show God's love to other people, and not only do they receive God's love, we get to experience it as well. God is not zero sum. His love is not zero sum. It's not like if somebody gets some, now there's less for you. God has more than enough to love you and to love us all at the same time. And you try and think about it long enough, you really can't wrap your brain around it. But really, the completion of all that is when we receive it and when we give it. So how do we do that? How do we give God's love to others? I want to give you three simple things and then pray for you. Because, again, I want to reiterate that God sees you, he knows you, and he loves you. But it doesn't just stop with you receiving. He's invited you into this process of his love being made complete within the world and within your world through you as you play the role and the part that you play in showing God's love to others. Here's the first thing. is We love so that they can see God. You're loving because what it does is it allows people to see and experience. Go back to verse 12 of chapter 4. 
said, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That finished work. John continues to write and in verse 19. He says, we love because he first loved us. You see, this is so different than the way we naturally think. We actually, our first leading thought when it comes to love is reciprocal. If they love me, I'll love them. And if I love them, then they should love me back. But that's not what he's saying. You see, what he's doing is he's clarifying the motive. Have you ever been in a position or a, thought, a situation where you've loved someone, and on the back end you're going, I don't really like how they responded to that love. Now, you may not think about it that way. The way you probably actually identify it is, I feel like they're being ungrateful. That's probably how you, how, you, how you connect to it at first. But really what you're doing is you're going, I don't like the way that, that they're, they're receiving the love that I just gave them. Like, there they should, should be more of a response. But wh- what John is saying is he's saying, you shouldn't love so that those receiving love go, wow, you're so loving. I mean, I can't believe, like, could I be as loving as you are? I mean, I just feel overwhelmed with your love. You're just, wow. John's saying, no, 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 no. You love because he loved us first. And you love expecting nothing in return. You love saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, no, no. I'm going to love you the way God loved. Because when that happens, they experience God's presence. That's why I'm so proud of you, Milestone Church, and the way you love on other people. The way you show love to other people. And I hear about it. I, I think about a family that, or a, a, a small group that loved on a single mom. Basically flipped her whole home. And in the course of conversation, she didn't go, y'all are amazing. Thank you. Yeah, she was grateful. Thank you for doing that. But you know what? It, it, it Almost every single time it comes out in some form or fashion, this is essentially what she said. God's so good. I can't believe I feel like God's so. What is she doing? She is equating the love that they showed in them physically being there and serving her as though God is loving on her. I think about our single moms that, and, and single parents that were blessed or our families that were in need because they weren't just single moms and parents. There are families as a whole that you, Milestone Church, blessed through our back-to-school drive because you're just going down Target looking for stuff for your own kids. You go, well, I'll get a couple extra items here, and I'm going to put it in the, in the donation box. And then we bless these families that needed supplies as they're going back to school because if you have children and if you have more than one, it can get real expensive buying all these supplies. And you know what almost every single individual that receives supplies said? God, thank you so much. I'm so great. God's so good. God's so good. What are they doing? Because of your love, Milestone Church, because you played a part, what did they do? They saw God loving on them. That's why we encourage you. It's a small group, small group, get involved, serve other people. That's why we have served. We do it. It's not just one day a year. It's all year long and opportunities you have. So when you do that, they see God. They see God. Here's another way that you can love on people. You recognize that we love with action. you got to put action to it. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Actions and in truth. There's a, there's a little saying, don't just, don't just tell me, show me. Don't, don't, don't just tell me about it. Show me. Why? Because we want to see. We want a picture. It's why even when it comes to movies or books, you love good stories because you want it to be seen. 
You want to see it. You want to recognize it. Don't just tell me. Show me. And, and this is true. It's so true. And I was reminded as I, as I saw it was, a, it was a survey, a study. It's in the Harvard Business Review. They, they did this study when it comes. And this was challenging to me because as a communicator, as an individual that interacts with people a lot, it was challenging. It was eye-opening. But it's helpful to understand this thought and this idea and the power and the importance of action and not just words. This, this survey, uh, this Harvard Business Review survey, it, it was looking at the limitations of conversation and sharing. And this is what it found. That the first 20 seconds, a communicator is very clear and concise, dialed in. Second 20 seconds, they're kind of feeling good about themselves. They get comfortable. It's a little therapeutic. And they're like, ah, oh, they're kind of laughing at my jokes. And hey, they got the 400 joke awesome. So they just, they just go. And then it happens so fast. The next 20 seconds, they begin to lose the person that they're communicating to. And that's what they said. The, the study and the survey showed that it can happen as quick as 40 seconds you lose somebody. Why? Because you start to bunny trail and you start to make it more about you. And you're all excited about what you're sharing and you forget and you don't realize. You're trying to connect with someone and communicate with someone. And here's why it's so important for us to realize that is that words were never meant to be a monologue. Words were meant to be interactions, to be invitations, to engage into thoughts and conversation for deeper levels of relationship. There's action. It's not just a bunch of words. And the reason it's so important that we recognize that is because when we see that, we then in turn know how to put love into action. Uh, let me help you. I'm going to give you just a few practical things you can do to put love in action. Now, these aren't, this isn't everything. There's more than just this. But here's just a few of them. First is this. Love is sacrificial. It always costs something. It takes time, emotion, energy. If you've ever taken time to love on someone, take the time to actually love on someone. It takes time and emotion. It'll cost you money. It'll cost you energy. It will always cost something. So if you're going to put action to your love, you got to recognize there's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be a cost that you have to be willing to pay. But love is always generous. So you're always willing to pay it. You're always willing to go the extra mile. You're always willing to do something not expecting anything in return. You see, you never look more like Jesus than when you're generous. Generous with your time, your treasure, and your talent. You're giving. I love the word, the word love. One of the definitions is agape. Agape love. Some of you know that definition. Unconditional love. And oftentimes we describe what agape love is more than define it. Wow, it's loving without conditions. The actual definition is loving expecting nothing in return. Truth is, if I'm really honest with myself, there's oftentimes where I love expecting something in return. I'm expecting reciprocity. But true love, love in action, loving the way Jesus loved, is expecting nothing in return. Love is never convenient. You, you have to be intentional. You have to plan. You have to put forth effort. You have to think about things and ideate. Well, that goes back to the first one because if it's a little hard for you, you're like, oh, I just don't have enough brain power. I don't have time. Well, it's going to take time. you got to be intentional. you got to plan. And here's the last one. Probably the hardest one and the biggest one. You need to love people the way they need to receive love. Love people the way they need to receive love. 
You, you have to love them the way. You see, it's so easy for us to just love people the way we receive it. And then we wonder, why don't they engage with that? Why aren't they? Feel? I mean, I've shared with you before. There's times where Wendy and I, you know, you think about the book, The Five Love Languages. You know, Wendy's a quality time, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm you know, words of affirmation. And so there would be times where we're young and, and, and married and, and we're just getting to know each other. We're growing in our relationship. She's like, I just feel like you don't love me. And I'm like, babe, I literally tell you like with my words, like I love you. But she's like, but you don't sit on the couch with me and hold my hand and just talk. I'm just going to be transparent. Can I tell you what I first thought in my mind? That sounds terrible. Now, I've grown over 19 years of marriage. Thank you. Appreciate you. She's helped me as well as the Holy Spirit. I'm just being honest. But why? Not because I didn't want to spend time with her. You know why? Because I was more dialed up about showing and receiving love the way I receive love. But if I'm going to put love into action, guess what? I better get out of my comfort zone. I better get past myself and being self-absorbed and figure out how does that woman, the greatest gift next to Jesus that God ever gave me, how does she receive love? Well, then I need to love her that way. I need to show love to her that way. You see, that's how you put love into action. And when you and listen, can I tell you, it will change with time. So just when you think you have it figured out, seasons will change. So don't feel like, okay, it's not just men, but men, let's just be honest with you. You feel like you're hitting a moving target. Like one day it was this, and this is how I love it. Now it's this. I mean, it's going to change, okay? It will feel like, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you. What happens is you begin to, all the women are like, whoa, 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 no, I'm not, no, it's, it's, <laughs> don't get mad, you know, what, what was that little movie, uh, he, what is that, He-Man Hater Club or whatever, it was like the, you know, Little Rascals or something, you know, but what, what, the point is this, is that seasons will cause it to change, but if you're intentional and you're willing to pay a price, can I tell you something? There's no greater effort that you'd want to put in than going, hey, I want to continue to figure this out and grow. And can I tell you, in 19 years of marriage, still learning and growing on what showing her love looks like. Because why? I want to put love into action. And I'm not perfect. Please, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not up here going, I got it all figured out. Trust me, Wendy will be at the door. She'll let you know all the ways I don't have it all figured out. She's got no problem letting you know. It's like, it's, but we're learning. We're growing. Why? Because God's love is made complete when I receive it from God, but then when in turn I show it to those closest to me as well as those around me. And then here's the last one. you got to love in truth. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, oh, I've been waiting for this one. I mean, I, I got the truth. I'm ready to just beat some folk over the head with that. I'm going to let them know about themselves, you know. they got to make it right, you know. Okay, let me just help you. That ain't going to work. You ain't going to win that way. See, the prevailing thought is this. If I just give people the right information, then they're going to do it. And they're going to like it. And they're going to change. And so if I just continue to tell them the right thing and the right information over and over and over again, they'll just embrace it and do it. It doesn't happen that way. You want to know why? Because people don't receive love like that. They don't interpret that as love. You see, truth is not a series of facts and information you're giving people. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. 
And you have to invite Jesus into the conversation. You have to invite Jesus and his presence into the situation. It's not just simply about trying to win the argument or convince someone why they're off or why they're wrong or what they need to fix and change. There's a book called The Genius Zone. An individual named Guy Hendricks wrote this book. And he said, if you want to be a genius, it's easy. So if anyone in here, if you're going, I want to be a genius. I mean, I want to be a self-proclaimed genius. I want to be a genius. If you want to be a genius, here's what he said. He said this, if you want to be a genius, it's not that hard. Stop wasting emotional energy on every day thinking about things you can't control. Stop wasting emotional energy thinking about things you cannot control. He actually said, they did a study, the number one cause of despair in people's lives is the energy they spend thinking about things that they cannot control. Thinking over and over, worrying and wondering. Here's why it's so important to understand that. Is because if you spend all your energy doing that, You have no energy to put towards the things that you actually can control and can make an impact in. Because you're burnt and spent worrying about all the things you can't. When you set your mind on the truth and you decide, I'm going to invite Jesus into this situation, Jesus into this conversation, I'm going to break that cycle, then what begins to happen is his love can be made complete. And there's a part, though, that you have to play in that. In walking with people in ministry for over 20 years, I've seen this over and over and over again. I've experienced it in my own life. And it's something we have all experienced whether you realize it or not. You may not have called it this. You may not know know it as this, but I'm going to show it to you. It's called the drama dance. That's what some counselors would call it. Or they'll use the word triangulation or drama triangle. Here's what it looks like. It starts with the abuser. Now, these are perceived experiences. I'm not minimizing or delegitimizing actual abuse. Okay, this is perceived. This person is the the culprit, the abuser in the situation. And you're introduced to the abuser through the victim. Okay, now here's what it may look like. The victim comes to an individual and the victim says, let me tell you about my boss. They are a terrible, so who's the abuser? The boss is the abuser in the situation. The victim is the individual. Let me tell you about my boss. They did this, this, this. They're just a terrible person. They're going on and on. Now, why does the victim do that? The victim is looking for someone to invite into this drama dance. And what begins to happen is what the victim is looking for is they're looking for a rescuer. The rescuer comes in, and the rescuer is either going to be a part of the drama And what they're going to do is go and accuse and confront the abuser. Or they will just simply come and just come alongside the victim and go, you're right. I can't believe that person did that. I can't believe that boss is like that. I can't believe that teacher said that. I can't believe that person. I can't believe your friend. And it goes over and over. and, And here's what it becomes. It's kind of like musical chairs. Because you just continue in this cycle of dysfunction, just changing one seat for the other. It'll happen at work. It can happen in your family. It can happen in situations and in friend groups. But here's what's so powerful. You see, the rescuer, that's the key. See, because when someone comes to you, you have a choice right then and there. You can either break the cycle or you can prolong it. 
You can either go, no, 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 time out, no, 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 look, look, I, I, listen, I'm not minimizing what that person may have done or said to you, but look, I love you and I love them, so I'm not going to come in and be a part of this, let's bring Jesus and the peace of Jesus into this situation, you may need to go to that person, you need to have a conversation with that person, you need to forgive that person, if that person really offended you, well then Matthew 18, go to that person, what are you doing? You're breaking the cycle, you're breaking it in your home, you're breaking it in your friend groups, you're breaking it in at work, whatever it may be. And you can, you've experienced it whether you realize it or not. But you have a choice. So you may not have a choice in how someone treats you, but you have a choice in how you respond. You may not have a choice on whether or not someone comes in you and tries to invite you in to this drama. But you have a choice in how you respond to it. Are you going to keep it going or are you going to break it? See, we've experienced this even in our own family. We're not perfect. We don't have it all figured out. We're still learning. And I got three little girls. They're learning. They're, they're trying to figure it out. And so even at a young age, we're in a position where we're teaching them. We're not giving them diagrams and going, let me tell you about the, the drama dance. Let me tell you about triangulation and here's what's going on. But what we're doing is teaching them how to break the cycle. So even just a couple of weeks ago or last week maybe, Situation: One of the girls comes home, and, and all three come home, and they all got their hair cut. They look real cute. Love it. I like when I get pictures of my kids getting haircuts. cute. Can't wait to see them in person. Well, they come home, and, and one of the girls comes to Wendy and says, I feel like my sisters are telling each other how cute their haircut is, but they're not saying anything to me. So Wendy talks her through. What is that? Well, okay, why do you feel that way? That's not true. They love you. They're a gift. God loves you. They love you. Okay, well, you need to talk to them. Why? So even at a young age, you need to talk to them. So later that evening, they're in there, and, and they have a little phrase, like sister meeting or something like that. I don't know what it's called. I'm not allowed in it. You know, it's like I'm the guy. I'm the only guy in the house, except a hamster. We got a hamster. So they have a sister meeting in the bedroom. Wendy goes and happens to listen. And the, the one of them is sharing how she felt. And the other two are like, that's not true. What did mama say? Mama's right. We love you. You're so cute. This is cute. That's cute. What happened? In that moment, they're learning, we want to break the cycle. What are they doing? They're showing love. Because they've received love, they're also giving love. Quieting lies of the enemy, breaking the cycle. You see, you may not have a choice on whether or not someone hurts you, but you have a choice on how you're going to respond to that. And listen, we're still learning. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more conversations like that in our home. And some will do right, and some we probably won't. But the same is true for you and in your home. Some you may do right, and some you may not. But when you embrace the fact that God loves you and he wants you to receive that love, but not just so you receive it, but so you can give it, you begin to put actions to your words. People begin to see God through you. And most importantly, they experience the truth. And his name is Jesus. Not facts, not information, but his presence.